This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 126 The Falkville Metal Man In the realm of purported extraterrestrial encounters, Tangible evidence often eludes the curious gaze, leaving skeptics and believers in a perpetual dance of doubt. Yet, within the enigmatic annals of such phenomena, the Falkville Metal Man case stands as a stark exception, a compelling saga further heightened by the fact that the photographic evidence was captured by none other than the town's chief of police. Jeff Greenhall. His ordinary October night in 1973 would evolve into a harrowing tale, forever etched into the history of Falkville, Alabama. On the mild autumn night of October 17, 1973, Chief Jeff Greenhall, a 26-year-old custodian of law and order, preparing for a night in alone with his wife, when the shrill ring of an urgent call pierced through the cool autumn night just after 10 p.m. Little did he fathom that this unexpected summons would propel him into a vortex of otherworldly mysteries, altering the course of his life in ways unimaginable. With a sigh, Chief Greenhall rose, his brow furrowed in anticipation of the potential disturbance awaiting him on the other end of the line. The caller, an anonymous and visibly distressed woman, relayed a frantic account of an unidentified flying object making an otherworldly descent into a field owned by Bobby Summerford, just beyond the town's borders. This marked the genesis of what would become arguably the second most peculiar extraterrestrial incident in the American South during that very month, the first being the notorious Pascagoula alien abduction. Even though Chief Greenhall was off-duty, his commitment to safeguarding the community propelled him into action. With the sense of duty etched into his every move, he swiftly retrieved his keys, handcuffs, revolver, and almost as an afterthought, his trusty Polaroid camera, an instrument that would bear witness to the extraordinary. As the wheels of his patrol car crunched against the gravel, he radioed in the call and sped toward the reported landing site, unaware that the seemingly routine response would plunge him into the heart of the inexplicable. 
Upon reaching the scene, Greenhall disembarked from his truck. Navigating the surroundings with a keen eye, yet discovering nothing conspicuous. Undeterred, he returned to his vehicle, opting to circumnavigate the field before heading home. With the vigilant gaze piercing through the murky darkness, he scoured the perimeter of Summerford's property, finding nothing noteworthy. Steering down a narrow gravel path for a final inspection, the chief was thrust into a confrontation with the unimaginable. Navigating the narrow road, the chief advanced into the heart of the field, darkness closing in around him, enveloping him. Chief Greenhaw advanced approximately a hundred yards before encountering an anomalous sight. Bathed in the stark beams of his truck lights, a humanoid figure, as he would later recount, positioned about 75 feet from the road. Intrigued and motivated by a sense of duty, Greenhall exited his truck and cautiously approached the enigmatic being, his hand instinctively reaching for his revolver. He initially suspected someone might be in distress. Howdy, stranger, he called out to the thing. Despite his attempts to engage with the figure through vocalizations, It remained unresponsive. As the chief closed the distance to a mere 15 feet, bathed in the beams of his truck's high beams, a disconcerting realization dawned upon him. The entity stood clad in an otherworldly attire, a silvery metallic suit reminiscent of thick aluminum foil. Attempting to articulate the unearthly encounter, Greenhawk conveyed, It looked like his head and neck were kind of made together. He was real bright. Something like rubbing mercury on nickel, but just as smooth as glass. Different angles gave different lighting. When I saw him standing in the middle of the road, I immediately stopped the car and asked if he was a foreigner, but no sound came out of his mouth. Greenhall further detailed the peculiar features of the entity, including an antenna protruding from the crown of its head, and its movements, which betrayed a jerky and mechanical quality. In the throes of astonishment, Chief Greenhall swiftly recognized that he confronted an enigma, surpassing any within his realm of experience. Suppressing panic through the disciplined resilience, instilled by years of police training, He summoned the clarity to retrieve his instant camera and captured four pivotal photographs of the otherworldly entity. The initial Polaroid yielded only impenetrable darkness and a glimmer of silver. Yet the subsequent trio of images unveiled a revelation. In stark detail, the humanoid figure emerged, adorned in a crinkled metallic suit or outer casing, reflecting the brilliant flash from the Polaroid's bulb. In a bewildering turn of events, perhaps misconstruing Chief Greenhall's camera as a threat, the entity swiftly pivoted and sprinted across the field with a velocity far surpassing human capability. 
Greenhall observed its trajectory, noting an apparent heading toward Lakin, situated approximately three miles distant from Falkville. Responding with decisive agility, the chief retraced his steps to his truck and initiated a fervent pursuit of the elusive metal man. Despite Greenhall's valiant effort to accelerate his truck to a modest 35 miles per hour, the rugged terrain of the field thwarted his pursuit, rendering him utterly outpaced by the unconventional entity. Describing the creature's peculiar locomotion, he remarked, He ran in a bizarre way. Seemed to have springs in the feet for propulsion. Could cover about three meters in every way. He was running faster than any human I ever saw. In the midst of this frantic off-road chase, Chief Greenhaw grappled with the unwieldy topography, ultimately losing control of his truck and careening into a ditch. From this vantage point, he bore witness to the enigmatic being vanishing into the shadows, forever eluding further scrutiny. Left with only his disconcerting memories and a sequence of contentious Polaroid photographs, Greenhaw found himself ensnared in a web of disbelief and skepticism. The aftermath of Greenhaw's extraordinary encounter unfolded in a cascade of adversity. Met with ridicule and at times outright mockery, the chief of police faced the harsh consequences of disclosure. In the ensuing months, he resigned from his position after less than a year. His marriage crumbled under the weight of disbelief, and in a cruel twist of fate, his home succumbed to the ravages of fire. The man who once stood as the custodian of law and order now faced a torrent of skepticism that threatened to drown his sanity. These tribulations, coupled with the deluge of UFO conspiracy theories, intensified the already fervent flames of controversy surrounding the event. They stand as a stark reminder of the relentless scrutiny and repercussions that often befall those who dare to share their extraordinary experiences, compelling many contactees and eyewitnesses to hide their encounters in silence, forever keeping it to themselves. Within the realm of UFO speculation, divergent beliefs abound regarding the identity of the metal man. Some ufologists entertain the notion that the entity served as a robotic scout, potentially heralding the presence of an extraterrestrial landing craft. Skeptics, on the other hand, adamantly argue that Chief Greenhaw orchestrated an elaborate hoax, possibly with an anonymous accomplice, potentially a child, given the perceived height of the entity, donned in a tinfoil costume, or more audaciously, an asbestos fire suit coated in reflective aluminum to fabricate the creature's unusual appearance. The controversial images captured by Greenhaw found their way into the hands of Walt Andrus, a director of MUFON, or the Mutual UFO Network, for meticulous analysis. The conclusion drawn by the analysts leaned heavily towards the skepticism camp, suggesting that the entire encounter was likely a concoction, 
possibly fueled by the fervor surrounding the recently publicized Pascagoula case. While the authenticity of this close encounter remains in question, one undeniable aspect is Chief Greenhall's lack of financial gain or positive notoriety from the incident. Despite being referenced in numerous books chronicling alleged alien encounters, Greenhall received no tangible benefits. Reports indicate that, though he managed to reconstruct some semblance of a normal life, he continues to harbor regret for the inexplicable encounter with the unknown that unfolded on that autumn evening in 1973. In the face of skepticism and adversity, Chief Greenhall, forever bound to an encounter that defied explanation, alongside his steadfast supporters, maintains an unwavering stance. The metal man, elusive and enigmatic, became a symbol etched into the annals of Falkville's history. They assert that the images in question authentically depict a non-human entity, and whatever transpired on that fateful autumn night, Chief Greenhall confronted a presence, not of this world. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. And now the debrief. Alright. Falkville. Falkville, Alabama. This is the This Second one from this rough south area. Yeah. Which we've already covered Pascagoula. Within a week. Uh, yeah, literally within yeah. a week. But yeah, we had covered Pascagoula a while back, actually. I was trying to look to see yep. how long ago we had covered it, but it's been a minute. It's been a few months, yeah. for sure, right? Yeah, it's yeah, uh, I think like last I mean, summer. I was gonna say it's it's on down there for sure. The um, I can't help but think that the Pascagoula incident happening so close before this, I a lot of people think, especially I know the people who believe that this was hoaxed by yeah. the chief of police. They think that it was inspired by Pascagoula. Right. By the mm-hmm. press coverage of it, right? But I think I think where Pascagoula really affected this was in the MUFON response. I feel like they jumped yeah. to that conclusion way too fast. I think so too, because the thing about it, and I was just I, I did find that we actually covered Pascagoula in March of this year. Shit, or last this, spring. this past year, yeah. So March seventh, yeah. if you want to go back and listen to it. Uh, but yeah, like that. I think that really influenced the the MUFON. They're like they're analyzing all of these photos and everything. Granted, they couldn't yep. reproduce, and they they stated that they couldn't reproduce anything. But they still didn't feel like there was enough like tangible evidence or anything there yep. to like really make a case. So, which I, yeah, I th- I think honestly, it's because of. Pascagoula happening just literally days before it. Yeah. I think so too. I think they jumped to the conclusion that it was just like a hoax inspired by Pascagoula. And they're like, well, we already picked Pascagoula to run with. So right. we're going to deny everything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, you know, immediately assume it's riding the coattails of the Pascagoula incident, which yep. this to me honestly seems more plausible than the Pascagoula one. I really I really enjoyed yeah, the Pascagoula so? abduction because I mean 
those quote unquote aliens or whatever. Yeah, extremely. And they're uh-huh. described as being really cool and you know, we actually get a full abduction in that story and yeah, yep. it's neat. And the way the like craft came down and settled over the pond they were fishing at and right. all that, it's very theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in this, I mean we just have literally a UFO going down, a person makes a claim and we have a chief of police that goes out to check it out. Like I was curious, did they ever identify the caller? They didn't. No, that's actually that's one of the that's one of the essentially uh the arguments over this being a hoax is that they were never actually able to identify the color so yeah. people i think can see that, that being that's a another problem. reason right which because i mean 911 calls are made anonymously every day right you know what i mean it, it happens all the time but you'd think that he would like and this is a small town right i mean Fultville yeah it's, it's supposed to be big... pretty pretty or relatively small at least yeah, you'd think that he'd be able to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, but I he, mean, if he really wanted to, you know, are they are they going to track this person down? Especially if he has this encounter that he had, he's going to go back and be like, "Well, you saw this UFO? Cool." Like, I mean, what what I mean, what is there? Like, what's his reason to track her down? Because he actually I mean, had the experience. Because, she just saw it, right? But. She's another witness to, to another, like a new, another, yeah, yeah, and another perspective on what happened. Also, I suppose, you know I, I mean? suppose that's true. But I think, like, I think in this, he was he was willing enough to stand by his claims that it didn't matter if he had somebody else there that could also say, yeah, I at least yeah. saw, you know, I saw this UFO that was out out in the sky, the touchdown you, on you know you this think field, that, but. Like, You'd think that maybe, especially with everything that happened to him in the aftermath, like, yeah, pretty shitty of the caller to not come forward, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, yeah, that's you know fair. I mean? that's, maybe, maybe she did to him, but he never actually, like, stayed, you know, like, you know, they never made, yeah, made maybe her he public. Didn't want, maybe he didn't want her to go through the same right. stuff he was going through. I mean, he had you know? a shit ton of bad luck that literally followed like all of this <laughs> yeah literally yeah. i mean his he, house burning down is crazy. his house burning down his marriage crumbling um and he also he a month later after this incident he left or resigned from his position as chief of police and he had had he had yep. just gotten this position in january this happens in october and he resigns in november so less than a year of being in this position yeah literally resigns because i mean he's just getting lots of ridicule and backlash and you know being made to feel like a mockery of the town so i i get it you know i mean yeah at that point your your authority is going to be undermined by everybody and you know it's it'd be tough it'd definitely be tough for sure it's um i longtime listeners of the show will know that i find ufo witnesses much more credible when the experience ruins their life (laughs) yeah and the thing about it is more credible is that on on top of that he made nothing out of this yeah literally you know there was no gain like nothing there was no no reason for him to even go like balls deep in his you know standing behind this Yep. And so, which is another thing to me that, you know, makes it more credible. Agreed. 
Because he never profited off of it. Exactly. He didn't go out and make a book. The exact opposite happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, yeah. he lost everything. Literally lost See, everything, man. That is awful. Also, I think another another argument against him hoaxing this is you can assume that this guy is some something of an overachiever, right? We're talking a 26-year-old who managed to become chief of police. Chief of right? police. Like, he wasn't even he wasn't even supposed yeah. to be there that day. <laughs> of course not. No, he was, he was off duty. I mean, off. he was he was, you know, at home chilling with his wife. And yeah. he's like, I'll, I'll just go like, do it. I'll go check it out. If you think of him as being like an overachiever, right? You can assume he's a a fairly intelligent guy, right? There's no way that a person with any sense at all who sets out to hoax a thing, looks at these pictures and thinks that'll get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, at first glance at second glance at 100th glance, they, I mean, the photos are laughable. They are. They're, I've, they literally, they're looks, silly. Looks like this thing just coated in aluminum foil. Yes. With like a old TV antenna on its head. <laughs> That's what it looks like. So yeah, but no, I think I, I that's agree. an argument against him hoaxing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, I agreed. Then you got a question like, was he the victim of a hoax? Maybe he wasn't the perpetrator. Maybe someone hoaxed him. That's possible. Yeah. That that's very. And he's possible. just reporting what he saw. Right. And old Betty, Betty so and so that called it in, she could be part of it. Sure. You know, her and her... That would be a reason not to come forward. Right, exactly. Maybe they didn't like this young guy being chief of police. And, this, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's a whole group of people that are against him and trying to trying to get rid of him. And what yeah, <laughs> better be. way than you hear about this, this alien encounter or this abduction recently. They're like, let's do it. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. It's, um... You know, I, I live in a small town, and the the races f- for sheriff and stuff like they get pretty nasty. Yeah, they re- like they really do. Like it. This last one made me stop following those all those stupid hometown Facebook pages and shit. Oh man, like because people those are, are just- so fucking mean, dude. Yeah, they're filled with just it's wild nonsense. And then everybody reporting. Did you hear about so and so? Yeah. Or I saw I saw John Boy down the street with his lights on. I wonder what he's up to this time. Yep. Yeah. Like seriously, it's stupid. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I heard, uh, I heard sirens on the east side of town. Does anyone know what's going on? That's like every other post. Right. Yeah. But it got super nasty during the last sheriff race for sheriff. And like I, I, I am sure. I was just like, fuck this. I'm done. Like, I'm this is bad for my brain <laughs> to be taking this I shit. I miss in. days that everybody just, you know, walked outside their houses and watched, you know, something going on. You know, just Yeah, rubberneck from a block away. Or you see like somebody <laughs> pulled over, you drive around the block just to see if you can see a little bit more. Yeah. Not like talking shit on immediately Facebook. reporting to social media, right? Yeah. Yeah. We grew up in a different world, Ryan. Yeah. Imagine if social media would have been around during this time. Right? 
all the memes that would have been out about this guy. Yeah. But also, he probably could have, like, Instagram lived this encounter instead of taking pictures, <laughs> instead of Polaroids. Well, I mean, you know, in a, a lot of cases, newer cases, we have where a lot of electronics and things like that stop working. That's true. Luckily, this guy has an old... It was like a, Pol- a Polaroid 2 or something, like an original Polaroid camera. Yeah. And nothing's stopping that thing. Right. Analog all so, day. And that's... Which, that's another another reason that people think that this is a hoax, because he just so happened to grab his camera. Yeah. Well, I was, I was listening to an interview. Um, another uh, a filmmaker earlier, a couple, a few years back, uh, the guy's like 70-something at that point. And, um, you know, he, he asks and basically just talking about, you know, the camera, because a lot of people thinking that's a, that's a reason that this is hoaxed. And he said, well, you know, back then we used to have to carry around a Polaroid camera because when we'd apprehend someone, we would have to take a mugshot. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Or crime scene photos. I, you know what I mean? Exactly. You, yeah. Yeah. That small town like that definitely didn't, didn't have, have like, like a forensics, forensics team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So the the so I just the uh, responding officer would be responsible for taking pictures of the crime scene too. Yeah. So I would say honestly, I mean that that's just silly. Yeah. Agreed. I think they're they're reaching reaching very much at that point. But. Yeah. It was it was just standard standard kit to have in his in his truck. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Another big point with this that I wanted to make, like, <clears throat> with cases, anytime there's a, a UFO contact situation where the entity is reported as being, like, metallic, then you always have people theorizing that this, is this, like, some sort of alien drone or, you know what I mean? We had the same thing with the Warrington Silverman, which happened five years after this did in the uk and um flatwoods of course people talk about that all the time is it some kind of suit is it some kind of android or a drone Mm -hmm. and this i mean maybe at this time all of our all of our aliens were (laughs) or maybe they just wore just uh metallic protective armor yeah i mean and they got smarter (laughs) a lot of people a lot of people um by you know extrapolating from the technology that we have a lot of people assume that if an alien race did reach our planet that they wouldn't send biological life forms it would be unmanned you know what i mean yeah like because that's how we would do it i think that's 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 most likely right that it makes Mm -hmm. sense it's in the, unless it you does. get into that shit we love, that like space folding fucking, you know, some crazy advanced tech that lets them just like slip through, you know, space and time. I mean, yeah. If you, you know, if you get that far advanced, then I could see sending biological life vast distances. But if you're talking just like an extrapolation from where we are, then yeah, we would send a drone to visit another world, not biological mm-hmm. life yeah that's fair that's I mean, fair there's a solid chance we won't ever send a a human being to mars and we can see that in our sky you know what i mean that's like mm-hmm. close that's within our solar system 
And there, there's a solid yep. chance that will always be unmanned, the exploration of Mars. So, I know Elon Musk wants to send people. That's like his goal. But I don't know. <laughs> there's a chance that never happens, you know? I mean, I, I think there's a big chance that that never happens. Yeah. Although it'd be awesome. Sure. And I'm 100% all for it. I mean, if they could, like, sleep me. You know, just knock me out for the voyage. That right? <laughs> I'd I'd probably go. I'd probably go for it. Yeah. Even or they can just like what cryogenically freeze people. Yeah, yeah. Just like and then a, have them there for like a hundred years as these robots basically just build everything. Yeah, like those. Uh, and all of a sudden, there's like a city. <laughs> yeah, like the Doctor Who civilization ships, where like all the people are are um in some kind of cryogenic rest chamber see yeah and that'd they, be perfect yeah i think we have a few and then more you're already there yeah i think we have a few more levels of technological development before we get to that but i want to cry or cryogenically whatever freeze myself for like the next thousand years yeah then pop out and just be like sweet i want to know what happened to those people who adopted that super early like those right? those rich people who had themselves frozen in like 1994. I want to know if they're still if they're still doing okay. The freezer stopped working and right. they all thawed out and yeah, just melted away. Yeah, exactly. That's how many of those companies went bankrupt and just like chucked those bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's awful. Yeah. But I'm sure I'm I'm sure it's happened. That's what you get for being an early adopter, man. Like, you never want to be the first person to do anything. <laughs> don't do it. I don't know, though. Like, you know. Let them perfect it first and then partake. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. like you... <clears throat> and that's you, the safer approach. Yeah, I mean, that's like you hear guys like... When dudes get hair plugs now. You know what I mean? And they look really good now. Like it, hair yeah. plugs look fantastic now, and like you hear guys say, "Like, man, I wish I'd done this 15 years ago," and it's like, "No, you don't. It fucking sucked 15 yeah. years ago. You know what I mean? You're gonna look like Michael Scott in the first season of The Office, right? You're gonna end up with some crazy like Ugh. smiley face scar on the back of your head, and fucking <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Early adoption. It's it's not a great way to go. Unless you want to be a pioneer, you know, like a uh sure (laughs) you want to be at the forefront of something new my advice is don't be a hero you get to watch it unfold and unravel and uh what it turns into yeah if you last that long yeah that's the key (laughs) (laughs) and just cross your fingers it doesn't lead to you to some like formerly cryogenically frozen mass grave behind a what used to what is now a big yeah. lots they actually just built it over it <laughs> yeah exactly the big lots right on top <laughs> of the mass grave yep so there's some weird stuff in this like he d- the way he describes the suit or the material whatever it is yeah what stood out to me is because in the photos it looks like you said it looks like aluminum foil it looks crinkly like yeah, aluminum foil, really but does. he describes it as being smooth as glass. Also, well, that's he he talks about it in different light. Yeah. So, um, 
what was what was the exact quote? He said it looked like its head and neck were kind of made together. Mm-hmm. It was real bright, something like rubbing mercury on nickel, but just as smooth as glass. Which what kind of weird different makes... angles give different lighting? How do you describe something that, like that comparison? Yeah, <laughs> like rubbing mercury on nickel. Oh yeah, everybody knows I, what that I looks like. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? <clears throat> Not helpful. Uh, but different angles yeah. give different light. Is that what he says? Right. Yeah. So sort of like aluminum foil. Yeah. Different angles <laughs> give different lighting. Yep. Yeah. I just yeah. so sort it was of like aluminum foil. Yeah. yeah. It was weird to me that he described it smooth as glass because it does not look smooth at all in the photos. It, it really looks, doesn't. Like, crunchy. No, I mean, but again, maybe maybe uh, like he said, the different angles and stuff. Maybe like when he kind of moved around, it looked yeah. very smooth. But then in other time, other points looked ragged and crinkly. I guess maybe jagged rather yeah. and crinkly. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe when he like stretched, like when the material stretched out, it looked smooth, smooth as glass. Yeah. I mean, maybe he was just a very curvy. <laughs> Metallic man. Yeah, could be. And that's all right. He had curves in all the right places. <laughs> Including in a field in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But not limited to. Um, nope. So the obvious problem with my theory uh, that the guy was the victim of the hoax is the whole second half of the encounter. Because he describes this thing doing some shit that a person could not do. Right. Right. The speed, well, the jumping yeah, great he, distances. He at first notes the movements being very jerky and mechanical. Sure. Which goes in the in but the then, camp of yeah, drone this, again. Right. Yeah. But when this thing takes off, he says it's going like three meter it can go three meters in every direction at once, basically. Yeah. Now I was a little confused by the description of the movement. Is it like sort of jumping forward like a kangaroo? That's what it sounded like to me. So basically, he said it seemed to have springs on the feet for propulsion. So that's what I imagine it's, you know. Yeah, so like every step like it takes jumping is or lunging forward. Nine feet like every three step. Meters. Jesus. Nine, yeah, yeah, nine to ten feet, yeah. Yeah, that's Which, not... <laughs> that's a pretty damn... That's a big jump. Long, like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And no wonder he can cover, so, like, so much ground. Yeah so fast yeah i mean if it's literally just a series of 10 foot jumps you're gonna move pretty fucking quick right right see that doesn't sound like a person wrapped in aluminum foil no i mean you would you'd be pretty constricted yeah i mean i remember back in uh when we were in what was the odyssey of the mind back in when we were kids kids like what fourth grade yeah and we made those for our skit that we did we made Soda, uh, can soda cans. Suits. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it wasn't quite aluminum foil, but it was like a metallic, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe the material, whatever it was. It was like a fabric, but it was metallic and sort of crinkly. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Like it almost felt like, uh, felt like aluminum foil, but like softer. Yeah. And I, I couldn't even imagine, you know, like I, th- I think of that. I don't know why that just jumps into my mind, but I, mean, I think of that and like running in it. Yeah, would be impossible. Impossible. It would have ripped and fallen off. Yeah, you know what I mean. Without a doubt. Yeah. So this brings us to I, I love that you described it like a like the asbestos fire suits because that's what this re- really really reminded yeah. me of. 
It looks like mm-hmm. the old asbestos suits that firemen wore before we yep. realized that it was going to give them all mesothelioma. Yeah, I mean, and that was and that was one of the ways he had described it. Yeah, like, he saw it as you know, I mean, a, kind of a combination of the of these things. You know, like it could be yeah this or that. Basically, it definitely has old school hazmat vibes. Yeah, you know. Well, one one during the interview, he compared it to being a kid and watching the original Lost in Space series. Okay. Um, he's like, but it didn't have like the rubbery arms or anything like that, but it was kind of like that, like kind of like robotic looking. Yeah. Hmm. And roughly about six feet tall. I was trying. He said six feet tall. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was described as being like, maybe I, maybe I got confused. I thought it was described as being like the size of like a child. See there, that's that's where the that's where the, there's a lot of like, it kind of conflicts with with the different the different reports of it because even during that interview that I that I had watched as well, he he had asked him about how tall was he. He said about six foot. I'm about six foot, so it was about as tall as me. But then other people are stating that that they think that it's a hoax that he could be potentially working with an accomplice basically uh-huh. and they think what did they say that it was basically it could be a child yeah um in a suit because i thought in his original description he said specific it, thing yeah i thought he said it was about the stature of a child something like that see and that's that's where it's very different yeah because when he first saw it he just described it as being humanoid is that maybe his story um, changing over the course of 40 years i I don't, I don't I don't know because there was no like at least in the early the early report of a being at least what I was able to find anything other than what he actually had said in his yeah. interview about six foot okay but then again there's the the people that have you know tried to twist his story and everything as well yep um you know stating that he was or basically uh what was it um, yeah, that he had he had orchestrated this elaborate hoax and would worked with an uh, anonymous accomplice, potentially a child given the perceived height of the entity. But again, I think maybe this is he was he was only able to get about fifteen feet away from this thing. Yeah, in the dark, just lit by by his headlights. Yep. I mean, when he first sees it, it's about a hundred yards out or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and then he slowly gets to it, and then this thing books it. When he goes to take a picture or snap his pictures, you know how hard it so would maybe be. Maybe that's to, where, like, I was just thinking. You know how hard it would be to see details of something covered in refle- in a reflective material with flash yeah, with just your tough. headlights, because that would yep. be like blinding reflection. You know what I mean? True. True. Yeah. It'd be really hard to get details. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make Agreed. sense of. Agreed. Of the thing's movement, maybe there was more than maybe, maybe there maybe there was more than one of them out there. Maybe, and he was just sort of, you know, in a state of panic, trying to chase after this thing. Possibly, he saw one and just didn't see the other, and then he saw the other and didn't see the other one again. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh shit, I it's mean, over there now. It them. must be fast, right? You know, that's. I'm just I'm trying to wrap. Maybe my this head thing is it. the actual UFO. Yeah. How did it go away again? Well? Like, what was the end of the encounter? It, 
So going back into the encounter, did he just um, lose it? So in the mid, in the midst of his off-road chase, he basically lost control of his truck into a ditch. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that point, he saw the thing basically vanish into the shadows. Okay, so it just ran away, right? Or hopped away, <laughs> hopped away, disappeared. Yeah, maybe it beamed itself up. That's what I was wondering. Maybe if he it saw turned, it turned into a UFO, and if he saw it go up at all. Isn't there some weird no, shit with that the, he said like, it just kind of disappeared? Isn't there some weird shit with like the MUFON contact page? The like page that has their the photos, like they took photos of the Polaroids. And then there's Yeah, and there's also some additional photos yeah. that he didn't take that are of a UFO. Okay. So I know a lot of people ended up relating those, but I think it's just they just ended right. up on the same contact page. Right. Yeah, because there's uh they had um they had the negatives, right? Yeah. And so there's like a list of like a sheet of negatives of of this. And um their next two ones of of apparently an, an alleged UFO. A different case. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people tried yeah, tried to tie those two together and But the original call They were essentially was, two separate things. The original call was reporting a crash. UFO touching down on this farm. Okay. God, I wish we could find her. Because, mm. <laughs> like, if she saw it, yeah. she didn't just see a weird light. She's, she's saying she saw a UFO touch down. Yeah, literally. I mean, that was that was part of her, her initial report. And that call was she had saw a UFO touch down on such and such. I, I can't remember. Summerford. Yeah. Some, something Summerford's farm. Um, but yeah, literally she said that she saw a touchdown and that's why this, this chief police, you know, chief Greenhaw, he's like, Oh, okay. I'll go yeah. check it out. That's, I would even love though he's to, not even supposed to be there today. I'd, I'd love to hear more from her about what she actually saw, like what the craft looked like, I th- what, you know, right. So many of the, we usually I think get, everybody would love to hear more from her. Yeah. Cause it's like two halves of the experience and we're missing the first half. Mm-hmm. Like we usually get the UFO, the touchdown, the creature, you know what I mean? And now we're, we only have that yeah. second half and a tease at the first half. Well, I mean, this one's not, it's not as like, it's one of the kind of the more obscure cases and not as well known. And sure. I think of course. Because Pascagoula was yeah, it overshadows the first it. big one, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the seventies, the seventies were lousy with UFO and cryptid encounters. Like, there's so much going on in this decade. Yeah, it's yeah. I get. I mean, I understand to an extent why Mufon had to get picky. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, like you have you have an actual abduction case in there, you know, and they're like telling of this abduction. Remember, because they're like literally carried onto this craft and yep. and everything, um, you know. So the scenario is a bit different. Sure, it's a bit, uh, you know, there's more meat there. There's more information, like other than we've got this the chief of police that happens to see this aluminum man, metal man. Yeah. And he chases it and it disappears. And they just had so many cases pouring in probably all through this time period that they probably yeah. had to for the first time start getting picky, like start getting really critical of but like again, is this one worth our time or not? You know? 
The difference in this, though, is he had physical pictures. I know that he I had know. taken, which makes it which stand we didn't out. Have. Yeah, exactly. There are no Polaroids of the past. And I don't know Google why dudes. it didn't. I don't know why this 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 didn't get a lot more, you know, a lot more fame or even, you know, I mean, I'm sure it was probably big at the time for what it yeah. was in that area. But, I think it's because it looks yeah, so I'm, silly. I probably, yeah. I mean, I mean, like you were like we were talking about beforehand. You know, it's 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 almost laughable at the the pictures of these. Like, yeah. But at the same time, there are pictures. I mean, that's that's. Yeah, some would say that's pretty solid evidence. But also with, because yeah, it's you can see fairly clearly, but this is also low light. It's really it's like a spotlight, which is even tougher to actually make sense of than it just being low light, right? Because you're getting all the reflection. It's super high contrast because the thing is reflective and the light is on it, but everything around it is dark, right? So your mind kind of fills in the gaps too when you look at photos like that. That's true, yeah. So maybe it looks silly to us because we're assuming a lot of the image for ourselves, you know? In yep. person, it could look. Yeah, ver- it I could agree. have looked very different to him than how the photos turned out. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly it. And that's I think I think that's one of the one of the kind of takeaways here to, or at least worth noting, is how different it probably looked in that setting. Yeah, and I mean he's also taking a shitty Polaroid picture. Like sure. they're not going to be the best of quality. Yeah, especially given I mean those weren't those those didn't take nighttime pictures. No. They were he never has basically to. the reflection of his headlights on this thing to try and, you know, even like illuminate what he's trying to take a picture of yep. against just literally a back, a black backdrop. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's going to be hard to really kind of make out what he probably saw that we can't see. Yeah. I mean, this is not the kind of photo you can just hold your thumb on and see the, you know, the few seconds before and after the photo was taken. <laughs> like, Right. It's it's very and it's tough with all this stuff, you know, it, it gets annoying too because if it's a if it's a shitty photo, then skeptics are like, Oh, why can't you why can't we get a clear photo? And if it's a really good photo, it's like, Well, this is obviously fake, it looks too good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no right answer. That, there isn't. It, and you're always gonna have that because you're always gonna have you know the skeptics that aren't gonna buy anything or yep. argue every every little detail. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're nothing is ever gonna be good enough in that case. Yeah. I mean, until we get firsthand encounters and people are just like, oh, poop. <laughs> yeah. You were right all along. Even then, like the the world is so like obsessed with the idea of fake news now. I feel like. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like yep. the entire Supreme Court could it. have a public meeting on the White House lawn with extraterrestrials and at least half the country would go like, nah, it's fake. It's totally fake. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's confusing. I mean, just confusing times. It's confusing, but people are also ignorant. Yeah. I mean... It's not not to say they're stupid. Yeah, that's that's not at all what I mean. People are ignorant. They don't know any better, and you only know as much as you either believe or 
has been made, you've been either made to believe, or it has been very blatantly obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, you know, there are people who shun things that are, that we would consider blatantly obvious. You know what I mean? That's that's very true, too. Yeah. I mean, we had a fucking flat earth movement, Ryan. (laughs) We had a flat earth movement in the 21st century. Like... I that still baffles me as to how that was even ever a thing. I it's so confusing and, if any of you and are depressing. Flat please just stop listening to this show. <laughs> yeah, I I second that. <laughs> just, oh boy, just go home, go get learned to bed. Yeah, get some learning. Oh man, that's so dumb. Like, but you know, we but again, it's we it's that ignorance. Yeah, it is. We we live in an age of. You know, flat earth conspiracy and fucking Holocaust deniers and people who don't believe in giant parts, giant chunks of established history and science. They're just like, well, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't double, I can't duplicate that in my living room. So it must be fake. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it's baffling. But yeah, they're like, but I go to church every Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. I read the Bible as I'm taking a poop. I can duplicate the Lord's it's the love same right thing, here in my heart. <laughs> exactly. It's the exact same thing. Some would say, actually, maybe more truthful yeah. than that. 100%. You know, like, it just, I mean, if you can think that way, why why be so ignorant to not be able to think, you know, outside of that, right? I or, think we've, I think we've arrived at a very dangerous place socially where intellectualism is thought of as liberal yeah like so anyone who yeah without a doubt sees people with like a d next to their name on tv saying things they don't like they just they shun anything associated in their brain to those people you know it's yeah it's a problem it's sad It, it, it is a problem it's definitely a problem that I don't see any foreseeable fix for. Yeah. I only see it getting worse. It just has to swing, you know, you just have to wait for the pendulum. Big ships turn slowly. Right. You know? That's gonna be a very, very slow one. Yeah. I I'm afraid you're correct there. <laughs> it's gonna be a while. I think it's gonna get a lot worse before it gets better. But that's the world we live in. Yeah. You know? So sorry for the super depressing whether, note there. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean that's it's legit. Like this is you know this is why I'm here at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know these are these are things these are things that are going on. Just like Chief Jeff Greenhall saw this thing in the middle of the night and took pictures of it. Yeah. All right, just like that. I mean, you heard it here. It's the truth. <laughs> the thing is, it's it's really. <laughs> It's really frustrating, though, like, to try to convince people of things like this or to assume that something like this is going to be taken seriously when things that we assume would be common common knowledge and common sense aren't even taken seriously by so many people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's tough. It really is. It is. And all we can do is keep, you know, preaching the good word here. That's right. Doing Out of the, the Lord, good book, the campfire book. Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
one, one, good book. one last thing I wanted to say. I Yeah, what do you want to say? I have to say, howdy, stranger, is my favorite greeting to an alien of all time. <laughs> so, okay, this, this is one of the things I got from the interview. He said, yeah, I walked up to it, and he's like, I was just like, howdy, stranger. Yeah. <laughs> I just like... It just made me lol. I love this it guy was, so much. Good. Like, right? We've talked several times about how people react to seeing these things in like pretty despicable ways. Like shooting at UFOs, throwing yeah, rocks true. at them, yep. like shit like that. And this guy just strolls out there all on his own, out in the dark, <laughs> in the middle of fucking yeah. nowhere, with this bizarre thing in front of him. And his response is not to pull his gun. Not to get crazy, not to get aggressive. He just goes, "Howdy, stranger." That's fucking awesome, and we need more of that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and this poor guy, like, spent the rest of his life being ridiculed and regretting ever having this experience. But at the same time, he's like, "I'm still a believer." Yeah, and that's I'm, that's awesome. It is. I'm. I don't. I don't know what happened. Obviously, I can't really. I mean, settle. I don't really either. Obviously, I, I can't really settle I can't on say a theory. This did happen, but yeah, yeah. I I want to say if it was hoaxed, I don't think he was in on it. No, no, not at all. I, no way, no way would he subject yeah. himself to li- literally just a shitty rest of it. I mean, he eventually got better. You know, he yeah. Got luckily, his, his wife. They have like five kids, and that's whatever, awesome. But luckily, he was young when this happened, and he he obviously yeah. had time to rebound from it. You know, we but see there's a, no way he would put himself through that willingly. Yeah, to endure so everything that he endured after the fact. Yeah, no way. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy that so for to a me, second. I mean, I, I find I find this is pretty. It's a pretty unique case, as as obscure and as not as well known as it is. I think it's a pretty unique case. I mean, you know, again, we have we have some pictures, whether or not they're of something that was hoax that he wasn't aware of, or yeah, he got a living, maybe non-living, whatever alienish, otherworldly being on film on Polaroid. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would like to think that that's that's what happened here. Yeah, I th- I think so too. But I, because I I really believe this guy. I don't. Yeah, you don't go around saying howdy, howdy, stranger, howdy, partner. I, whatever stranger. he said, dang it, now I forget. Yeah, you howdy, had it, right? stranger. Yeah, you don't go around saying that to everybody. It's true. It's... No, wait, he does though. <laughs> yeah, because he's a nice guy. Yeah, a willing, you know, a trustworthy, good citizen. I mean, honestly, I don't think someone who worked hard enough to become chief of police at 26 is going to throw all that away No for, way. for a hoax that he doesn't bother capitalizing yeah. on. You know what I mean? I think there's too much at stake. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just, sure. I'm for glad sure. for his sake that this wasn't one of those tragic cases that we've seen so many of where the guy's like 50, 60 years old and it literally just burns down the rest of his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's just nowhere yeah, no, for I mean, him to go from there. There, there's, there's some positive, some positive, you know, ends to this. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's not a just a depressing story overall. Um, but again, I think, I think it's a really cool case. Yeah. And I'm, I'm stoked that uh, we stumbled upon it because, I mean, 
we are we've already covered Pascagoula, and that was I mean that was a very well known one. And for this to happen literally what, three the same days week, later, right? Spent like exactly yeah. within a few days. Yep, it's crazy. It is. And I think this should be just as as known as Pascagoula, at least. Yeah. I'm calling it right now. I think this this episode is a future t-shirt. Excellent. I would I would like that. Yeah, me too. That's Metal Man you, uh, in front of the high beams. Yeah, fuck yeah. Maybe we've got Jeff out there kind of shielding his eyes as yeah. he's holding a Polaroid in one hand. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm into it. If you uh you know, if you wanna check in on those. You can for sure go to the link in all of our bios and go check out our merch store. You should. We have some you pretty should. sick merch need, uh, up there. Awesome designers. We also need to update some some new designs that uh, you know we'll get to, we'll get updated. We've got a lot of the works here, people. That's true. That's true. We've, we've been busy. We've been busy. So keep keep supporting. Keep listening. Tell your friends. Make sure to tell their friends. And then make sure to tell their other friends and then their <laughs> friends' friends. Yes. And let them also tell their friends and their fr- other friends and their friends' friends and their friends' friends and their families and their grandmas. Their grandmas are really the key. We're trying to tap Man, into we're, that. We're literally just trying to get into the grandma game. Yeah, we're trying to tap into that 65 and over demographic. Really want to get yeah, them on, I mean, into the podcasting world in general. <laughs> <laughs> Our numbers there are pretty slim, so <laughs> we need to... <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. Yep. Also, our Patreon. Well, think, at oh, Patreon.com oh, yes. slash Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're going to start releasing bi-weekly content for free. So go over there and follow. If you haven't been on Patreon lately, they've made some pretty big changes over there. And it is... It is essentially, at this point, uh, another social media platform where you can follow us for free, become a follower. You can you can have access to all the free content on our site. And then if you choose... We will, of course, still have yeah, paid content. Yep. Absolutely. And if you choose to subscribe after following us, you can choose to subscribe and get access to all of the paid content. But go follow for free. It, it doesn't cost a dime to follow see what's going on over there patreon.com forward slash campfire tales the strange and unsettling yeah yeah so i think with that i think that's a good note to end on this is episode 126 the folkville metal man and that's the big cheese thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. 
It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.